Hello and welcome to the podcast According to Sci Faith, where we discuss topics revolving around the compatibility of science and faith. I'm Josua Göcking and you're listening to According to Sci Faith. Episode 17. Do we live in a simulation? So yeah, this question is around for some time now. So many people think about it. There were many movies made about it. And it's also uh, in, in science, it has come up several times. There are scientists who really believe in this so-called simulation hypothesis, where we say that we might be living in some kind of a computer simulation where everything we experience, uh, even our innermost being, our thoughts, our mind, our consciousness is itself uh, just part of some huge uh, simulation and I think today I wanted to go after this question um, it, it, do, I, do we believe it's true or why Why is it true is it true or what can we say about it or uh, to, to say it bluntly why do I believe it's nonsense so uh, let's, let's go through it and I want not only to talk about why I don't believe in it but also why I think ideas like this or ideas in general where I believe they are kind of nonsense even if you cannot prove anything about it uh, why I think that these ideas seem to be so present in these times and what what could be the cause of it and so we also will dive in into literature about this so it will be really exciting so uh, stay stay in stay tuned and so let's just start start by by talking about the um, what we mean by by living in a simulation so I, I mentioned it's uh, just like being in a big computer simulation so it's that the idea is there is so much computing power there's a society there where there is so much computing power that we basically can simulate everything and uh, without any problems and then there might be a society like this who would really say hey we want to simulate uh, events before of, of the past we want to replay the past and so on and they start such a simulation and the question is uh, is it probable that we would be part of such a simulation? Is it likely that we would live in such a simulation? So first of all, let's consider how that idea might have come about. So um, when when we consider the beginnings of science, we, we see... A, a, if you think about the beginning of modern science, it's mostly started with people like Isaac Newton and so on. And if you look uh, at the worldview that Isaac Newton had, is Isaac Newton thought the world was uh, just like a big clockwork, a big mechanical clockwork where everything fitted together, one sc uh, screw fitted into the other and everything uh, worked out perfectly. And for him, uh, for Newton himself, this even was a, a big show that, or a big sign that there has to be, be a God. So in his uh, in his work, in his great scolium, he states that uh, such a perfectly uh, perfectly fine-tuned universe, such a perfectly clockwork, uh, could only can only be possible if uh, there's a designer behind it, if there's a, a god behind it who created it, uh, such that everything works out perfectly. So, of course, I am paraphrasing freely. So, but if you are interested, I recommend to you to to read the great scolium of Newton. It's really and uh, really really good uh, or really interesting what he writes writes there and really shows you what his mindset or what his thinking was behind all this 
So now we, we go into the future so that, that or we, we just stay in this time, we, we look at uh, how long was this this worldview around and it, it's been around pretty long. So the, the worldview that was brought by Newton has been around for a long time and for the most part because it's been really, really effective. Uh, science could be described in a really good way by this uh, worldview of Newton that everything has a cause, that that. We believe that still, but uh, that also if I know the initial conditions of something, I can perfectly describe the whole system and I need only to have this and know the physical equations that describe the system and then I can compute everything, then I can predict, predict everything and there's nothing uh, nothing coincidental happening no no accidents, nothing so, so I can describe everything basically by those laws. And this has been a long, uh, around for a long time. So by by the 1900s, it was still um, very much believed that the world really exactly behaves in this way. The one problem that this worldview has, although Newton was convinced by this that there has to be a God, it still limited the kind of God there could be because... It, if one would think it further, which people later did, especially in the 1900s, it would yield to this idea that everything would have to be determined. So every the way of every particle of every atom would have to have be completely determined, which of course led to this conviction that, okay, if this is the case, then also every particle in our human body and in our human brains would have to be determined uh, from the beginning of time. And therefore, if... If we were therefore also determined in our thoughts and in our thinking from the beginning of time, how could then something like free will exist? So this was a big conundrum that uh, came up then and this uh, could not be uh, easily uh, solved. I mean, you could, of course, if you just assume that there is more to humans than their material being, then you can easily solve that. But it was quite something that, that people struggled with and that uh, pe people had uh, problems with. But, uh, but what, what happened then is then in the 20th century or with the beginning of the 20th century, there came a new th came new theories about and one of these theory was quantum mechanics. And in an earlier episode, we were talking about multiverse and quantum mechanics and interpretations of such and then we already saw hinted at this that, that there's a probabilistic nature of quantum mechanics that uh, changes this whole Newtonian worldview where we are no longer in such a perfect clockwork but where we Still, where, where the world is still really fine-tuned, so it's a, in, in this fine-tuning sense that Newton had, it is still a very much perfect clockwork, but it there are probabilities that play a role all of a sudden, and not probabilities in a statistical sense that you say, okay, we have so much particles, it's just easier to make predictions about uh, using statistics instead of looking at each atom individually, which... It is just impossible to do. No, now there are real, real probabilities that are are occurring that we cannot, uh, where we cannot predict what will happen. We can only say, okay, to a certain probability, such and such will happen or will not happen. And this was the big change or game changer that uh, quantum mechanics brought. And most of all, it was really counterintuitive. While Newtonian's worldview was. Uh, some in some way intuitive it came intuitive to the thinking of the people at the time and also it comes if you learn about it in physics it comes intuitive to you 
uh, once you learn about quantum mechanics, it really goes against the intuition we have about our world. And there was another theory for the, which this was similar uh, that came about at about the same time. And this was the theory of relativity that Einstein came up with. And here it is also, here it's that the, the statements of the theory, they are easy to understand, I think. I mean, you just have to assume that the speed of light uh, is constant everywhere and you can easily um, derive that from statements that really that do make sense. But the results of these statements are still very counterintuitive where you have all of a sudden uh, time behaving differently depending on how fast you move relatively to each other. So there's this uh, this popular twin paradox which really clearly shows this so where there are two twi twins so twins who are and the one twin is like an astronaut and he's traveling around space with speeds uh, close to the speed of light and on the other side there is uh, the, the other twin and he's let's say just some accountant who's in his office all the time does not travel much and so on and so so they they live their lives and in the end it will be that the the cousin uh, the twin who is is the accountant he will age much more fastly uh, and and than the other twin so because for the twin who is traveling a lot close to the speed of light time will pass more slowly relatively to his twin so for him he experienced time the same as we as the other twin would but if you compare them if if the the other twin looks at at, at his twin brother he sees him aging slow slower because of this uh, consequences of of the light speed of light being the same at every in every in every system so this is re these results were really also on the one hand quantum mechanics and later even quantum field theory and and also uh, this the theory of relativity. So and I think what 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 you saw then was people were really uh, re starting also so especially older scientists who were used to Newtonian the Newtonian worldview they were really rejecting these ideas the theory of relativity and quantum mechanics even Einstein was uh, was not really comfortable with uh, quantum mechanics at first so they were really rejecting these theories and uh, because they were going against their philosophical uh, convictions and but they turned out to be wrong right because today we know that the world actually behaves uh, in in such a way as we had had in this earlier episodes there there are still many people who have different interpretations of it and it's still highly debated what the true interpretation of those uh, theories is but still we know that there is some truth to that description of our universe and therefore those scientists uh, scientists who were rejecting these ideas were wrong and I think this led to somehow believing that 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 even that if so, while these older scientists were wrong in thinking a, a theory that goes against my intuition has to be wrong, I think today it's sometimes switched in the other direction where we say no matter how crazy a theory sounds, it could in principle be right, and therefore I will not reject it, which is in principle also right and and of course true because. As far if something is not um, is not it can be proven then and is proven then then it, it, it we have to accept it, but there, I think there is still the 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 
danger to go too far into that direction where we see stuff that cannot really be measured, cannot really be shown to be true, uh, and and we accept it as as something of value, or even where where where, where things where we kind of know that world the world shouldn't behave in such a way but because we say yeah i don't want to be of the ones who think it's crazy and in in the end i'm uh, i i'm the the one who who was wrong in all this so therefore i think people tend to stay away from from such predictions but i i i think that in the end it's important to to also have their still go after some intuition the problem is the intuition has to be right or it has to be founded on the right principles and also one there one has to be of course flexible but i think it is a mistake if one goes too far into the direction where everything goes and everything could possibly be because then you might waste your time on theories who are complete bogus and complete baloney and therefore i think there needs still to be some uh, distinguishment between what what Uh, theories do really have merit and which ones do not and I think especially with such hypothesis I mean such hypothesis in my opinion like do we live in a simulation they make for a good uh, sci-fi movie like The Matrix and and there you can pack a lot of great stuff in it so it's also one of my favorite movies uh, nothing wrong with that but I think if we look to it as a theory of uh, as something if it is really true if we really live in co in a computer simulation I think there's easily you can find reasons why that might be wrong or why that is not the case and therefore I want to make it obvious that I don't believe in such uh, a hypothesis and I think it's to my opinion sometimes a waste of time to to really um, go deeper or, or be occupied with such ideas and also I think it shows a greater thing about how theories come about in, in, in these times and why there might be a problem with it. So first of all, but let's let's look at the argument that is presented why such a why we might be living in a simulation, and a great uh, or one of the greatest scientists behind this or who who is convinced of of such a, a simulation hypothesis is Nick Bostrom, and he states that. Um, Yeah, there are many works of, of science fiction, he says, uh, that for, forecast such technologies where where such a thing is possible, where the computing power is so so hugely advanced that it it will be possible to to uh, come uh, to code such a simulation, to create such a simulation, super powerful computers who can can do this, and what we would do in the science fiction novels if we, or stuff, if we do it, we would look to our forebears. Uh, we would simulate what they did. And so therefore we have to assume that this is done. And if this is done in some future, then there is still the possibility that we are in such a, uh, in such a simulation and this is highly probable then he argues and he argues that this is um the only way in which this is not the case is if some one of these assumptions is wrong so either we do not achieve such a future where this is uh, possible or we would not simulate something of the past if this were possible and i think he's he's right in this and he, i think where he's uh, where, where where this is true is that the assumptions are wrong 
That's in my opinion, because I do not believe that such a simulation would be possible. Especially, or more than that, I believe that such a simulation would not be possible for humans. Because the first questions, and I think uh, question, and I think the most important question, which is also the title of the preview for this uh, episode, is uh, that that comes about when when this uh, is discussed is where are the bugs? Where are the bugs? So if you're not uh, familiar with uh, software development, uh, a bug in, 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 in the software development is usually a, an error or a mistake in, in, in the code where something has not been considered. And if, if you run the code or the program and you come to some point where you make uh, click on something and then there is nothing to handle this uh, issue that you that because it was by mistake or by somebody did not consider this use case and then all of a sudden the, the program crashes or something some unexpected behavior occurs or whatever and it, if you if you are familiar with software development but even if not even if you just use your smartphone daily or your computer daily you might have recognized that sometimes your your apps crash or some something occurs and this is just because there are in in all our software there are still bugs so everywhere where we have uh, humanly co uh, programmed software, which is <laughs> all the software there is, uh, we, uh, there is, is there are some bugs in it. There are some er mistakes in it. Something uh, that were not uh, predicted when the software was implemented and uh, could not have been known to the developers. And usually this is not a problem because these bugs can be quickly fixed. But there are also some. Uh, some severe accidents that happen because of it so it's not not a small thing especially in 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 parts where where the where there are severe severe things that can can happen but what the important thing is is that that these bugs occur everywhere so i i mean if you ask a company if you are looking for a software developer or software company that develops uh, bug-free software this is just not happening the only way to achieve that would be to not develop any software then it's completely bug-free for sure <laughs> but that would not uh, be any of any help so to my in my opinion the fact that we do not observe in our world any kind of bugs is the greatest statement that there they cannot that we cannot be living in such a simulation that was created by humans you might say or sometimes in science there might people might uh, experience stuff or find stuff where they say hey, that for this we have no explanation why is this needed this is, seems to be completely uh, arbitrary or completely useless but usually later we find out ah this is the cause of it this is the purpose of it and it really is needed and without it nothing would work so most of the time the, even if we find something which one might call a bug it we find out later no no that this is this is in fact a feature so this is also a sentence from software development it's not a bug it's a feature this is something that you most of the time you say it cynically if some software de development firms uh, develop something which you think to be buggy but they don't fix it and they, they say it's supposed to be like that and there you say okay it's the it's not a bug it's a feature it's supposed to be this way but in 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 the creation it's it's actually th this way that we when we find 
that it's not a bug, it's a feature that we really begin to appreciate a feature because it is then a real feature. And we we expect usually in science, then your horizon is expanded to why this is needed and why this is useful and why it is in such a way. But you don't find a bug. So and therefore, this is my greatest argument for why I do not believe such a simulation hypothesis is true. More than that, if you think further, so let's just assume that there is such a simulation. So we have seen there are no bugs in the simulation. Apparently, in our simulation, if we are in one, there are no bugs. So it cannot have been a human or a human company or something that has developed uh, such a bug-free system because that's not possible. So the next question then would be, who was it? So it needs would need to have been a perfect developer. And this is not very different from what you would call a god. So then the question is, where is this really different from, from believing? So I, I saw uh, uh, this tweet, uh, I also retweeted it, it was really funny, uh, of somebody who say, was saying about a simulation hypothesis, said, yeah, you, you believe we live in a simulation, uh, yeah, actually you just believe in God, you just think he's a nerd. So I, I found this was really fitting to, to what it really is. So, so we, it, it Because the simulation always assumes that there, behind any simulation there has to be somebody who designed it, right? Somebody needs to design the simulation that you have. So if you play a computer game, there was there were some coders, some designers, some dev software development team, some uh, game development team that designed all this. And in, in the same way it would be in such a simulation, more than that even, that there would have to be someone behind it designing it. And how much more shows this that there has to be some guard who Who's designing is especially if you see there are no bugs in it so the, the the designer has to be perfect and the only difference that you then find between such a simulation and the i call it real world where we are not simulated but where we are free agents living in a created world the only difference then would be actually that what i called it free agents free will that we have free will and that our decisions have consequences on the world in which we live because it is not simulated it is real to say uh, it like that and i think that's also the the thing that it, this kind of idea tries to escape the it tries to escape the responsibility it tries to say yeah we are just living in a in a simulation and what we do does not have any consequences is not of consequence it's just a random a random simulation and we are part of it and let's have fun in it or whatever and i think um This is not uh, the case here. So I, I think it really is that we have free will, that we are created with free will from uh, from God and that our decisions do have consequences. Okay, it's time for a short break. Maybe you have heard of it, but recently Elon Musk uh, told about his new research of his company Neuralink uh, about human brain uh, machine interfaces where you basically with your brain you can access a computer or a smartphone or some apps and so on and where they were showing first results of these uh, experiments that they uh, did. 
what I think is really interesting about uh, this is uh, that my book that you can order now also in English Alien Thoughts uh, is really about exactly that topic about uh, some neurochip that is implanted in the heads of people and with the which they uh, can uh, do similar things and also with uh, some side effects that occur in the in those so uh, what what is even more funnier than this i wrote my book uh, the most part of my book was really finished before i even know about elon musk's company and about what they were doing and even knew about the name of this and uh, in the end if you have read my book you notice in the end there is some I think I call it neural connection there uh, that they uh, have there. And this is some something that they use the neurochip for with which they can do some stuff. So read it if you want to more lo know more about it. But the interesting thing is I in the in the beginning, I initially I I plan to uh, call this a neural link and only when I found out that they were really working on such things and that a company that was working on it is actually called Neuralink I decided to um, to change the name a little bit to make don't make this association to this company but uh, I really think it's interesting that uh, something that I really had in, in, in my mind only I was thinking about it yeah and some not so distant future it might come yeah the the future of this is not even as distant uh, as i thought it would be it's even closer in some degrees i hope not the future that, that is described in this book but still i think it's uh, it shows that it's a pretty pretty current theme pretty current also in the technologies that are described there so if you're really interested in scientific topics then or sci-fi sci topics then i really encourage you to read it and also if you it's not a not a pure science fiction novel it's also a lot of uh of spies and uh, of adventurous stuff is in there so if you if you enjoy these kinds of novels then re i really encourage you to to read it and i would really uh, like if you would order the book and of course if you have already ordered it and read it and you liked it then i would really uh, really encourage you to write a, a, a review such that it, uh, other people will know what the book is about and can see if this book is something for them one question that would also occur of course or to me at least occur is if we are living in a tr in a simulation and the designer of course has I mean, he has complete control of the simulation. I mean, he can, oh, if you imagine, he can, okay, run processes more or less freely given the initial conditions, but he would have more or less complete control over the simulation. And why would he want the simulation to know that it is living in a simulation? I mean, you can pretty much argue that he would not want his simulation to find out that it li that it's living in a simulation because whatever he's trying to do with the simulation, whatever he's trying to simulate, the simulation itself, knowing that it is simulated, would work against this purpose. And therefore, the one more thing is, I think you can think of it like that, if we really would be living in a simulation, 
we wouldn't wouldn't know that we are living in a simulation and the uh, we wouldn't be able to to even come to the idea that we are living in a simulation so i think that's a further strong argument against this and i i want to also see you to also see this is not really science. I mean, it's uh, called a simulation hypothesis. There you see it's not even a theory, it's a hypothesis. And the reason for that is uh, there's no way to prove it. There's no way to show that we live in a simulation as being part of the simulation. There's, the, there's no way to, to do that. And therefore, we are not arguing in science here. We are science here. We are more or less talking about philosophy. Do we believe that we are living in a simulation or not, or more of this kind? And I think this shows also what I was uh, talking about in the last episode about the, the, the limits of science. And it shows here here we are clearly beyond the limits of science, and therefore it is also nonsensical in a scientifically way to seriously talk about whether we live in a simulation or not but if you say okay what are what do i care science not science i want to know if i'm in a simulation or not so it's more about finding truth and to state this clearly finding truth is not only done by science or can, in my opinion cannot only be done by science there is, is as i said a limit to science and uh, there are truths that cannot be found by science there are several arguments i did also on my blog where i state this so for example in in mathematics you can find this from uh, from a proof of Gödel, where, where he basically shows something like this in mathematics but i want to do not want to dive too deep into that there's a blog post on my Substack where you can read more about that but what what i want to find is why do we come to this idea why do we as philosophical beings or human beings who think about philosophy come to this idea that we might live in a simulation where does this come from i mean if you Look at it. I, I think this this idea seems to me rather new. It seems to me rather becoming in in the last century, coming up in the last centuries. And the question is why. The question is why does such an idea come? Where does it come from? Where does it stem from? Why would one want to live in a simulation or want to have such a philosophical worldview of living in just a simulation and or many other ideas? I I'm not talking just about such ideas many different ideas how mostly um, materialistic ideas that, that for example also state that consciousness is nothing but uh, neurons fire firing in our brain and uh, then in, at some point something like a consciousness emerges how, how do, do, do these ideas come about why do we have not a deeper understanding of it and i think one point comes from uh, an an effect that also brought science itself about uh, but it's it, it also is a, a negative effect of an altogether positive thing as i i believe and i think this came also with the uh, as i already said with the emergence of the scientific method uh, and all, all this beginning of modern science i think this was mostly uh, triggered also by by the reformation uh, because uh, as we know the reformation occurred in a, at a similar time and i think this was really connected that with this new thinking also new thinking in the area of science occurred and you see this also in the case that many of the um, reformers or reformed thinkers were also uh, scientists for for example Johannes Kepler and also not only scientists but also scientists who are now uh, 
belong to this group where we think they they had an had a part in creating this scientific method and therefore this i think there's really the connection there and uh, if if we look at it this time from there so so i think uh, if you look from it from a uh, from a believer's perspective you see that there that before there was a lot of um superstition a lot of uh, even in the church so a lot of superstitious beliefs and so on and, uh, and also s many things where you if you con compare what people believed with what really the bible says where this uh, also deviated and where there was a lot of corruption in the church and so on and therefore i think uh, this reformation that came about with martin luther was really necessary and was really needed to reform the church to bring uh, uh, bring the church back to biblical uh, convictions and to biblical truth however this had an effect on society because if you look at it um society was uh, is usually for for society the, the church what the church said was the truth so what well, it was that their standard of truth and when 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 the reformation came there were all of a sudden was not anymore this one standard of truth But now all of a sudden there were two competing uh, theories or two competing statements about what the truth actually is, two competing institutions even, if you will, who were competing ab uh, about what truth is. And with the Reformation, of course, more and more other competing institutions came about. So there were several uh, believe, uh, groups uh, or directions of believing So and um It this led also to many uh, many negative things. Uh, mo most importantly, to to wars. So uh, and in the end, you had this thirty uh, year war where uh, basically uh, they fought about uh, this. Uh, and in the end, they came to the conclusion to say, okay, we we won't argue about this anymore. Everyone can uh, in his uh, um, in his area of authority. So for the kings and. Uh, fiefdoms there there was basically they could uh, decide which 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 uh, religion they would uphold to which kind of christian belief they would uphold in their region and they would each other leave each other alone and believers could decide in which region uh, they want to live uh, and Uh, live according to their uh, where they could live out their faith so this was basically also the birth of fe federalism and so but this was as you see it was kind of a stalemate it was kind of something where we just okay we we uh, agree to disagree and uh, so this was not really the solution this is, this is what often is called the piece of Westphalia and uh, It also, but it led to there not being a, a complete standard of truth anymore. My, I mean, it was an improvement because uh, now nobody was uh, being killed anymore, no, no wars anymore about something like this. But, but still, I mean, if if one one could see it was just something like we won't argue about this anymore because arguing is no help, and. I think there's there's one uh, thing that is uh, covers this pretty uh, the, the whole. Uh, there's one uh, one play that, that covers this really good. The, the whole thing that happened there with with this changing of the standard of truth, or or uh, with all of a sudden a competi competition of what what truth really is instead of this one standard of truth, and this is uh, from William Shakespeare and it's Hamlet. So it's probably one of his most famous works, and uh, he in it, it, there are many things in it. It's it's really hard to to read and to understand. 
understand but uh, it, there is really a lot of stuff in it it's really uh, enriching to to read it and to see it so uh, if you can I, I really recommend it to to watch watch it played for for example in a, in, a, in a movie and then you can also read it for example if you read it the the folder versions are really helpful they add a lot of uh, notes to that and if you really want to to what, what i find was really uh, interesting if you really want to know the difference or what kind of a difference nonverbal uh, communication makes then I, i encourage you to first read it And then watch it and then see how much more you understand of the play by just watching it. But that's just a side note. And uh, But I, I really encourage you to read it because there's a lot of in it. And But the basic story is, so there is this, uh, it's in the kingdom of Denmark, somewhere in the Middle Ages, I guess. And uh, there is uh, this this Hamlet. He is the son of the king. And uh, the, the king, uh, so he died and uh, the his mother the mother of hamlet so the wife of the queen he uh, kind of immediately after he died married uh, his brother uh, who is is now the king and at first hamlet struggles with this uh, his mother immediately uh, going to the next guy basically and uh, later he also um, encounters uh, the spirit of his father who says, yeah, I, I, I did not die of natural causes, but I was killed by my brother. So I was poisoned and he asks Hamlet to revenge him or take a re revenge on him. And from that, that point on, Hamlet kind of uh, goes mad uh, intentionally, as he suppose. So he wants to, um, he wants to not, uh, he wants to, camouflage or disguise himself or his intentions uh, with acting like he's mad and and be acting crazy acting madly and in in this uh, in this part he speaks out all all kinds of things that might sound familiar also in in theories today so there's um, a lo lot of you you can find in there a lot of things of postmodernity for example he at one point he says um, there's no good or bad but thinking makes it so and so And so he, he, he puts all these ideas that are pretty common in the time afterwards, in the time after that, that came up in the time after the Reformation, in these, all these philosophies. And there, there you can see that. And uh, there are many ways uh, to interpret this play. And there, I think there are many ways people have interpreted it. And I think there are many possible ways to interpret it. But I think one one I saw was really where, where he um, related it to... Um, to read this happen, happening of the Reformation and the effects of this Reformation, especially on uh, on, on society. And uh, this can be also that, that Shakespeare himself had this in mind, can be also seen by the fact that uh, Hamlet himself is actually uh, not... In, in 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 the in the play he's he's living there in the castle in 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 Denmark of course but actually he arrived from Wittenberg where he was studying and if you know about the Reformation you know Wittenberg was basically the the center of the Reformation where the Reformation happened where where, where everything occurred so it's kind of the birthplace of the Reformation so Shakespeare seems to uh, intentionally have created this link to the Reformation there. And 
if if that was his intention or not you can argue about that but i think really you can see it in this way that that through these uh, the the reformation as good as it was as it brought us uh, as I believe really back to the word of God and to, to the truth of the word of God and showed the importance of uh, scripture and of being justified by faith, as important that was, the effects it had on society were, it had also negative effects on them because all of a sudden there was not anymore this one standard of truth, but there was uh, uh, competing standards of truth and, and the problem that occurred with that was that people or, or that uh, the several ideas could not be distinguished anymore easily anymore you could not if you had some crazy idea you could not say ah okay is is this idea good or bad you could not usually you would maybe go to to your church say okay is this idea good or bad and then you, you would get an answer and you would continue in this way of course You, if if you know the history about it, at that time that the church was pretty uh, corrupt in, in in some places at least, and uh, so if you you might have gotten a right and, and true idea and gotten to to your church to find the truth and they would say it's false. So it was necessary to to replace that or to to put in put this competing in, but it was. I think not the, the perfect solution, maybe, uh, and had this negative side effects. And as I, uh, as you can see, there are all these ideas that are already mentioned in Hamlet began to spring up. So you have these postmodernist ideas where where truth is 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 supposed to not exist anymore, or that there is no truth. There's only power, and uh, also yeah, there's no good and evil. Just what we believe to be good and evil is is just basically random ideas that we get from somewhere, and so on. All these ideas that came up mostly in the 19th century, and they but they were already in there and. I think this is what what happened to to due to this um, many competing ideas of truth, and I think in science it was similar. It uh, is uh, especially since uh, this. Um, Basically, this worldview of Newton fall, fell apart, where where before we had the Newtonian ex, Newton's axioms, we had basically his worldview uh, of of this perfect clockwork, and where every every scientific idea that we tried, we tested on on okay, is it in accordance with Newton's laws? And if it wasn't, we usually quickly rejected it. But all of a sudden, we we saw okay, no, we need to reject the assumptions Newton made. We need to reject the assumption that time and space are absolute and we need to say no, there is relativity. Or we need to reject the assumption that everything is determined by its initial conditions and allow for probabilities and therefore for quantum mechanics to occur. And I think with this change, all of a sudden it was not anymore this one uh, great encompassing field that uh, on which we could uh, test all theories uh, or if our theories made sense before we even uh, test them but now all the theories could possibly be and then we have just any idea could possibly be we just need to test if it's true and i mean we have still this testing mechanism that we can test whether it's true or not that's that's good so there's we are not completely lost but i think It's still the case that there are many theories uh, that come about this way that can that 
only until they are proven or until they are falsified uh, are rejected and and i think this is a lot of time is lost this way and i i mean it's it's one thing to say okay we are losing a little bit of time that's not that that bad uh, but if you are uh, for example if you leave fields for um Of, of, of physics and uh, uh, go to, to other areas where, where it really would impact people like theories of economics and so on where what you decide on depending on the scientific theory you have uh, really affects the life of people then then I think it gets more serious and there it would be helpful to have some uh, to not have to try out your theories on human beings uh, but to really have something to distinguish at that does this theory really make sense does it make sense to to do it in this way or is is it maybe even if there's no scientific facts about it is it maybe can i somehow still see that it is nonsense and not try it out on uh, on something with and doing uh, possible harm to it so uh, de therefore i think uh, this is uh, important and to to distinguish there and what i think is really is really the the, the standard of truth that we can really uh, uh, apply is really the, the word of god i think that's really our standard of truth the truth the the word of god uh, revealed by the holy spirit and i think that's what where we can stand and where, uh, and where everyone in his personal life can say okay if i if i concentrate on this if i let myself be guided by that then i will uh, save myself the trouble of going through ideas that are nonsense or going through theories where I in the end find out that they are complete nonsense so i think this is uh, the solution to this dilemma i think that we really uh, go to the word of god go to what he says because his truths are eternal as has been shown in history over and over again and uh, therefore if we stick to that and Uh, stay on this and not let this become corrupted of course well, because that's what what happened with the church they they were not sticking to that because uh, cause of different reasons uh, things got corrupted uh, but if we i think if we stay on that and if each one individually the um decides for himself to to stay on that to stay true to the word of god and and stay on his word i think then we can save ourselves the trouble of believing in some theories that in the end turn out to be complete nonsense and uh, this is also not only helping to not waste time but in some cases it's, it's really helping to avoid harm so i really want to encourage you to dive deeper into the word of god with this and if such theories come about such simulation hypothesis or what about what is consciousness some theories how some machines or computers might get conscious or, or something then really i urge you to 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 dive deep into the word of god and and get your guidance from from the holy spirit instead of these ideas uh, that are more or less scientific that are flowing around the airwaves so that's everything for today's episode i hope you liked it and you enjoyed each part of it if you want to get in touch with me or discuss a topic or want to give me some feedback then feel free to contact me using the contact form at on my website sci-faith.de en and there you can go to the contact tab and contact me and uh, if you have any other things you or episodes you want to have covered there or topics you haven't have covered Uh, feel free uh, to uh, contact me there.
Also, if you are not yet familiar with the format in which these, uh, pod, this podcast is produced, let me just briefly explain it to you. So there are always is always at the beginning of a month or of, of, of a block. There are is a, a big block of four episodes in in one thing. It's kind of like a preview, which I call it, where you have the next four episodes all in one episode uh, together combined. And this is for people who like to hear long form format podcasts who have a long way to work or something else where they can listen to a long episode and can then have a preview of the next four episodes all at once or episodes all at once and are completely up to date from the beginning of the blog for those who like uh, their episodes shorter who prefer it if if they have one, a half an hour or even less of a, po a podcast episode for those there is every week afterwards will appear a podcast episode almost in that length and this way I can uh, publish every week uh, a new podcast every episode and everyone uh, can have it his own way either once a month a long uh, chunk of um, uh, of uh, content or once a week a shorter uh, form format uh, podcast episode so I think that's the best way for everyone and also for me when I'm producing it Please also note that this is an independent podcast, which means that it is recorded, produced and marketed by me. So I really need your support in this. So if you like this podcast, then give it a five star rating. And if you have the time, even write a review to it. This just helps other listeners to uh, become aware of this podcast. And then people who might be interested in this content become can become aware of it. Also, if you have friends who you think would like this content, then recommend it to them and share it with them also you can support me in other ways for example by reading my blog and uh, subscribing to my newsletter or even by reading my books uh, which you can uh, find on amazon for example there is um My latest novel out now is Alien Thoughts, which is pretty entertaining from the feedback that I gotten. And so it's also in some way related to science and faith. The topic of it is also in there. But of course, you can also read the book to this podcast, Sci Faith, The Compatibility of Science and Faith, which is also available in English since last year. Thank you for that. And now I wish you a wonderful day. And I'm looking forward for you to tune in again next time.